This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. On broadcast, we recently had a hangout with Rich Crosby, where Rich was sharing lessons that he's learned church planting, including the need for a thick skin and a soft heart. In this podcast, we're bringing in the recording of that hangout. You can find the full notes on everything that Rich talks about at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 121. So here is Rich Crosby. Guys, listen, I'm just going to pray really quickly and we're going to jump into uh, looking at a few things uh here together. So Father, thank you so much uh, for uh, your love for the bride of your son. Thank you that that starting new churches is is not an idea that we have come up with. Church planting isn't something that we've just conjured up in our own minds. This has been your son's plan for the the good news uh, of him, of of Jesus, of who he is, uh, of what he has done. Uh, to go forward in our world is to be through the church and the starting of new churches. God, we thank you for that. We, we, we really do consider it a privilege to be able to be uh, doing this. God, thank you that we don't do it on our own strength. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us. And uh, God, uh, brothers and sisters that are watching this, uh, who I've never met, uh, who, who are likely uh, around Europe, maybe even around the world, God, I just lift them all before you right now, Holy Spirit, would you would you guide my words? Uh, would you would you say to each of us what it is that you want said? Uh, God, I do pray that you would speak through me in this, and uh, that in all of this, that these churches uh, would be further built, further strengthened. I pray that all for the glory of your Son in these cities. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, here we go. So, yeah, short, short, catchy. Title, uh, have a soft heart and tough skin and other things I've learned planting a church. <laughs> I uh, believe it or not, my background is actually communications. You'd think I'd be able to come up with a bit more of a memorable title than that. But uh, nonetheless, there we are. So let me just tell you a little bit about where um, where this has, has come from. Um, my wife, Natalia, and I and, and our one uh, child, our daughter at the time, we moved from uh, Brighton, England, where we were a part of the leadership at Emmanuel Church in Brighton. Formerly, uh, it was called Church of Christ the King. And uh, we were uh, I was a site leader there, serving there uh, over many years. My wife was uh, working in the Brighton area as a family doctor. She's now a family doctor here in Canada. Uh, but we felt many years ago uh, that God was starting to speak to us about starting uh, a church in Canada. We originally thought it would be in my home city, uh, but through a number of things, including um, just some incredible uh, prophetic words that came, people praying over us and, and, and saying, we, we believe this is what God is saying. Um, we felt like God was uh, inviting us to, uh, to dream bigger than my home city, which is a great city, but it's certainly not the capital city of Canada, which is where we are now. And uh, we really consider that a privilege. We, we moved here in uh, November 2015, and we started uh, the church in, in our living room in January 2016. And uh, I had been living with this. We had been living with this for many, many years. Uh, I have no doubt that those who are watching this can really relate to that. Before you planted something that that, that you felt really, the word that we sometimes hear is really pregnant with <laughs> for a long time. 
uh, before you went and planted. That would certainly be, be our story. And um, it consumed so many of our thoughts, so, many, so much of our prayer life, um, and off we went. Uh, but being here for about a year, so I guess it would have been getting towards the end of 2016, I was, I was on the phone uh, with uh, my friend Neville, who's planted a church uh, in Berlin, doing incredibly well there in Berlin, very tough ground, but doing really well. And, and I, uh, we had just come through um, probably two or three of the hardest weeks that we had had in, in our journey so far. And um, for the first time, I was feeling like I didn't want to do this anymore. And I, I, uh, we, we came into the city with a vision to help people follow Jesus, to raise leaders, to start churches. For a long time, it felt like we were gaining traction. Things were going well. Um, but then we just got hammered by a number of issues. And, and I found that so hard. And it really threw me. The, the first guy uh, that we had uh, ever baptized um, and a guy who had become very close with me that I had very much felt that God had joined to us and still believe that was the case. But he had said to me, I'm, I'm leaving the church. And there was very little discussion about it. It was just very confusing. Um, there was a friend of ours who was walking through some things. And I, I started to find myself getting frustrated uh, with, with ongoing conversations. And um, I, 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 in the end, said to her, look, I, I don't want to hear anymore from you about the unfaithfulness of God. I don't need to hear that. It was a horrible pastoral moment on my part. It didn't lead her or serve her well at all. I didn't lash out, but certainly the way that I, I communicated that to her was not, was not helpful. <laughs> it was completely void of compassion. A number of other things as well. And there I'm on the phone with Neville and I'm saying, Neville, I just, I, 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 for the first time, I don't feel like I want to do this anymore. This is so hard. Neville said, he said, Rich, there, there are two things uh, that refine a man's character like nothing else. He said, the first uh, his marriage, and he said the second in church planting, and you, my friend, have signed up for both. And um, I thought, that is not what I want to hear right now, Neville, but he was exactly right. And what it really showed me, or what God really started speaking to me, was, was just how much our story of church planting was God's plan for my sanctification as well. And I had really, uh, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, those of you watching this are probably going, yeah, I, I clocked that a while ago. Well, I hadn't clocked that. I thought this was about everybody else's sanctification <laughs> and not mine. And uh, I, I, I quickly realized um, there and then that, no, this, this, is, um, this is God's plan for doing a great work in me, for helping me know the gospel uh, deep, deep down, for, for me to be able to truly say, well, some days I feel I can, other days I feel like I don't, but, but for me to truly be able to say Christ is enough for me, Jesus is everything, and, and, and this thing of Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I, I think it was in those moments and in that hardship um, that I started to, uh, to, to, to realize that uh, deep down, perhaps for one of the, the first times. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I should have clocked that much earlier. But anyway, there I was. Over the months that followed, I started reflecting on, on different things that we had learned. Uh, there was a conference back in the UK that we were at a few months ago where I, I gave this session and um, some, some, some folks uh, found, it, found it helpful, including people who were church planting, um, saying, no, this, it's just good to hear that other people are, are learning similar things and going through similar things. So that's a bit of background about where this is coming from. Um, I, I want to break this down into three sort of headings. Okay, the first is things I've learned about developing leaders. 
as I said, part of our, our, uh, our mission here at Grace City Church exists to help people follow Jesus, to raise leaders, and to start churches. We, we say that pretty much every Sunday from the front and as much as we can in our life groups and other areas of church life. Um, the second heading is things I've learned about emotional health, my own emotional health. And the third thing is things I've learned about the gospel. So with all of that said, um, let's, let's look into this. So things I've learned about developing leaders. One of the things that I've learned about developing leaders uh, is this. I've learned that the strongest leaders tomorrow are probably the ones driving you crazy today. <laughs> we did a series um, in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we were in it for probably 15 months, and uh, we just wanted to establish the church here as a church that preaches from the Word of God. And uh, we thought, we're going to go through Mark. It's the shortest gospel, but we're going to take our time. And I was just so encouraged going through this, just, just learning again just about the disciples, about how rough they were, naive uh, inexperienced leaders, you know, Jesus rebuking Peter when, when Peter uh, rejects what Jesus says about his death and, and his resurrection, he gets, he gets that, that, that firm correction, get behind me, Satan, right? The same Peter cutting off the soldier's ear in the garden, so on and so forth. And that's just Peter. There's stories about the others as well, yet still, these are the very ones uh, that Jesus uh, chose to gather around him and, and, and to build his church on as these first apostles. And uh, I have found that encouraging because I look at some of the uh, past few months and look at some of the frustrations that I have felt with some of our younger leaders, in my case, particularly with some younger men as a male leader myself. And, and I'm really learning that some of the strongest leaders, some of the ones that I'm feeling the most faith for, that someday we will send to plant churches in other cities in Canada, perhaps beyond, are actually some of the ones that have caused some of the greatest challenges for us uh, thus far. And I'm learning just to be patient uh, in that, uh, to, to let God do that work, not just to look for the leaders that are, you know, everything is super smooth, you know, the ones that are never taking risks. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to not actually be that interested in, in, in uh, really running with leaders that are never willing to take a risk. Being able to take risks in faith, that's a good thing. Uh, kind of going beyond what the rest of the room is is saying. I'm not saying we should be flippant about that. We do it prayerfully. We do it in submission to the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's not something that's just going to happen like that. Uh, our younger leaders, some of our strongest leaders for tomorrow, are, are going to uh, cause challenges for us. And that's putting it politely. They're, they're, they're going to be a headache at times. Uh, but friends, they're worth it. And uh, we should be willing to go through that process with them and, and, and not to give up on them quickly. Jesus certainly didn't with his disciples. We would be wise to not be quick uh, to give up on those who maybe are even creating headaches around us uh, even, even today. Uh, are, there, are there people that are driving you crazy? Are there leaders that you have? Well, I've got good news for you. They may very well be the people that you end up sending tomorrow and you can read that one of two ways some of you are going yes i get to send them that's not what i mean but they might be some of the strongest ones that you will send and uh, let, let that encourage you just just be open to what god may be wanting to do in some of these uh younger maybe it's not a, a, a youthfulness thing maybe it's just an inexperienced thing um but uh just just be just be submitted to god in this he may have a plan that is great for them, uh, that maybe you're missing in your frustration. I know that's been the, the case for me at times. Another thing that I've learned is that it takes pillars and scaffolding to build a lasting structure. It takes pillars and scaffolding to build a lasting structure. I've learned that there are some people that, that God has joined 
to our church and our church plant as scaffolding. Um, if, you, if you walk by a building site, the first thing that you see going up, uh, it's not pillars. You know, it's not, it's not the, the, the things that are going to be lasting in the building for the lifetime of the building. But the first thing you see is, is a temporary structure of, of sorts. It's scaffolding. It, it doesn't look that great. It, it goes up quickly. And the thing about scaffolding is that it comes down quickly as well. But what emerges behind it uh, is beautiful and is lasting. And um, this has been a very painful lesson for us. I've, I've uh, referenced a young man, great young man, uh, in, in so many ways, a godly young man, first first guy that we baptized in the church, um, who I thought, this guy's a pillar. Surely this guy's a pillar in this church. And uh, it seems, I mean, God will have the final say, and I think we've got a lot of years left here in Ottawa, but it seems as though for this local church, that was not the case. It seems as though God brought him in for a time as scaffolding. The last I heard, he's involved in a, another church in town now. And I, I still want to have faith that that young man somewhere is going to be a pillar. I want to be open to the fact that God may even join him back to us someday. I don't know. Uh, but something that I really want to make clear in this is we don't always get to say who are the pillars and who uh, in our church will be scaffolding. And I want to urge caution around this. Um, I, I, I know as I've spoken to people about this, in the past, I can see in their minds, because I, I also know what happens in my own mind, that we can be quick to label people as one or the other. This person is a pillar, or this person is temporary. This person is scaffolding. Now, I'm, I, I'm not going to talk down or negate the place of, of discernment and wisdom in this. There may be some times that we're right, um, but let's not be too quick uh, to, 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 to make those pronouncements on people. Let's, let's be open to some people that we think are pillars actually not being. Maybe they're scaffolding. Maybe, maybe they, God's brought them in for a time and he's going to bring them out. Um, but let's also be open to some that we have thought are scaffolding. And this has really been our story in Ottawa. Some people that I've thought, man, all right, this might be six or eight months. Some of those people have emerged, like have just come straight through. And I'm now looking at going, my goodness, God, look at who you have given to us. Look at this man or woman who's really emerging as, as, a, as a strong support um, in this church. Um, I think recognizing that there are some people, um, and, and uh, this isn't a season of church life thing. There will always be some people in our churches um, that, that will not be with us for the long haul. I'm, I'm still learning just how to be okay with that. Um, that doesn't mean you don't fight for them. Uh, we, we've had a, recently a situation where somebody um, has come and, and has given us reasons why, why they're leaving the church. And in the past, I've kind of gone, well, all right, you've made the decision. It's, it's not, we're not really discussing this, are we? You know, you've kind of come saying, I've decided something. I wish I could have those opportunities back, to be honest with you. Um, in this most recent situation, we as a team, we've gone, no, we actually want to fight for this person, not fight with them. We want to fight for this person. So we've gone back and have said, look, are, are, you, um, are you willing to journey with us in this? Can, can, can we open a, a discussion here? We, what, what are your concerns? What, what's going on in your heart? We want to know more. We don't want to just hold the door open and, and say, well, you've made your decision, so let us hold the door open as you walk out. No, we, 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 want to, uh, we want to know more about this journey with you and, and uh, in that case, want, want to win you. I recognize that there are some cases when that may not be wise counsel, where, where with some folks you just recognize, no, this is, this is not a helpful fit for you or for us. But I'm still learning a lot about that. Many of you are going to be much further ahead than we are on that. 
but still, it's 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 trusting God with it and and not being too quick uh, to determine who God has brought to you temporarily and who God has brought to you long term. God gets to say in that. Uh, let's be prayerfully submitted to Him and uh, trust that 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 He will show us. And I think one of the best way He shows us is through having multiple voices on that through a team dynamic because others are going to see that in ways that are different uh, from you. Another thing I've learned uh, is this, and this, this would certainly apply to raising leaders, but also to, um, to pastoral care. I've learned that the issue is rarely the issue. Um, we as a church have come in with, with um, I would like to think, some, some fairly clear beliefs. Uh, I shouldn't say fairly, some very clear beliefs. We, we, we don't want to be wishy-washy on things. We want people to know what we believe as a church. What, what, what we believe matters. Paul says that, doesn't he? Watch your life and your doctrine closely. In it, you'll save yourself and your hearers. The doctrine matters a lot. And uh, we have found that some of our controversial, uh, more controversial positions, so again, I, I don't know your context, but for us here, one of those, for example, would be around the doctrine of election. Um, many people would just find it very uncomfortable, the idea that God chooses some and not others. And one thing I've learned around that, I only use this as an example, not, not right now to get into a big theological debate on it. Um, but I've actually learned that for many people, what drives that is actually a fear of what if I have not been chosen? Uh, they're not always looking for a big theological debate. Sometimes what's going on is there's, there's just a fear in their heart. And you can go down the big theological road of, 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 of sitting down and trying to reason with them that way. And I'm not saying that doesn't have its place, but at worst we can do that and not address fear in the heart. Um, our position here in this church on, as a complementarian church would apply to this as well. Uh, some people feeling like, no, I, 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 I just believe that culturally that just doesn't work. And, and, and I appreciate that some folks have, uh, their biblical, uh, they would say their biblical basis for that. I, I can, uh, I can recognize that even if I don't agree with it. But one thing I've learned in that is that often what is driving it is a fear of the cost. Oh, look at what it's going to cost me with my family or with my colleagues or with my friends. If I say, yeah, I go to a church or I agree with the church who holds this position. Again, it can be a fear thing. So I use that all to say, and those are only two examples, again, not trying to draw us into a debate or anything like that. If you think that's where we're headed, you're missing the point. The point is, I've learned that the issue is rarely the issue. And we, again, need to be prayerful and, and asking for the leading of the Holy Spirit to really know what's going on in somebody's heart. Uh, because sometimes we can um, answer questions that are, that are really the wrong questions uh, to answer. Um, let me just move along a little bit here. Uh, another thing with uh, developing leaders, I've learned not to confuse bad intentions with bad timing. This I have found to be particularly true among younger leaders. I'm 36 uh, myself, 37 in about a month. Um, man, the, the team back in Brighton when I was there, they were so patient with me, so patient with me. And I now recognize that there were many times when I went to them um, Often, I think, not always, but often with good intentions, but just with horrible timing. <laughs> um, you know, so no, this, this, this thing, we should do this thing and we should do it now. And they're saying, look, the thing that you're wanting to do, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't have to be a now thing. And uh, I'm learning with some of our younger leaders to, to affirm them when I'm able to, 
in what their intentions are. Look, this thing that you desire, this thing that you think we should do as a church, that's a good thing. Well done. We just don't feel that it's a now thing because of laying foundations in the church and being a church plant and, and that sort of thing. But my encouragement to you is, is don't confuse bad intentions with bad timing. Look for the things to affirm in your leaders, even if in your mind you're thinking, you know what, no, like there's no way we're going to do that right now. Still, somewhere in there, is there something you can affirm in them? And uh, still, even as you're saying no to them, have them leaving the conversation feeling built up, feeling encouraged, uh, f- feeling fathered, feeling mothered. Um, there, there still can be multiple wins in that for, for you and for them, uh, even in the process of saying no. I'll sum it up like this. Uh, Experienced leaders take the time to ready, aim, fire. We've all heard ready, aim, fire, uh, haven't we? Uh, But often that comes through a process with younger leaders or more experienced, inexperienced leaders of going through a long process of ready, fire, aim. Maybe some of you have heard that as well. Um, Again, many of our frustrations here, many of the challenges are caused by people because we like to give a wide leadership remit. We like to say to folks, look, we trust you. Go for it. Uh, and, and I love that. I love seeing people take shots and just really run with things. But often uh, I'm seeing people doing that, ready, fire, aim. And they're not fully thinking things through. Um, but, but still, I think it's worth it. And we come alongside of those people and say, hey, look, don't worry about it. There's grace for this. You might, there may have been parts of this that, that didn't go that well, but look, there's still a lot that did go well. And even in the things that did not go well, look what God's going to do. Let's just watch this. Let's look to see how he's going to use this uh, for his glory. Okay. Um, another thing I've learned is to affirm, affirm, affirm. Our, our culture, Western culture, for those of you that are in a Western setting, is a culture of compliments, of flattery. Um, compliments aren't bad things. Guys, married guys, give compliments to your wife. Your wife, okay, that's not a bad thing. But there's a big difference between giving a compliment and affirming or between flattery and affirmation. Flattery usually has to do with the superficial, but affirmation is about character. Affirmation goes deeper. It speaks to the very core of who a person is. So remember Jesus being baptized, coming up out of the water. What does the father say? You are my son. In you, I am well pleased. He doesn't say, love what you wore to your baptism. He says, you are my son. In you, I am well pleased. Affirmation. Uh, guys, let's, let's let affirmation just be something that we are remembered for. Um, I, 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 I think that's a wonderful legacy to have, to have people say, that person affirmed me a lot. So I want to encourage each of you in that. What I've learned, that's a longer section there, what I've learned about emotional health. First thing is this, church planting is deeply personal. Don't take it personally. <laughs> and I know there are conflicting things there, but I really mean it. Church planting is deeply personal. Don't take it personally. When you start a church, you know this. You carry a vision uh, that has been shaped by those that have been put into you, perhaps over many years, in many contexts, in many prayer meetings, all of these sorts of things. But when you get on the ground... Many people aren't mindful of that. What they hear is your vision. They don't necessarily know, no matter how much you want to explain it, that it has been shaped by many others who have helped to send you. And I certainly hope that you have been sent and that the vision that you're carrying has been spoken into by many other wise men and women. 
but again, on the ground, people, no matter how much you might try to explain that, they just don't have the same experience of that um, as you do. And it means that when people take an issue with the church plant, with the vision, it really feels like they're taking issue with you. And um, guys, I get that. I, I really get that. And I'm still learning. I'd love to tell you I've got this figured out. Um, but I'm, I'm still learning how to um, walk that well, uh, how to not take it personally all the time, um, not to take it as a personal attack on me. Now, sometimes there can be personal attacks. I recognize that's, parts, that's a part of leadership. But that's not always what people intend um, when they question a vision or when they struggle with the vision or they even struggle with the church that you lead, is not always a personal thing against you. I certainly have fallen into the trap of really feeling it being a personal thing against me in almost every case. And, and I just feel the Holy Spirit gently showing me, no, that's, that's not the case. Um, church planting is deeply personal. Be careful not to take it too personally. Another thing I've learned about emotional health is this, be angry and do not sin, that's Psalm 4.4. Let me add this, also do not text, do not tweet, do not use Facebook, and do not email. Whatever you do, don't do those things. I'm constantly amazed how many small issues in church life become bigger issues, not only because of what is said, but because of how it is said and when it is said. So let's be wise when it comes to resolving conflict. Again, my background is in communication. I get as church leaders, as church planters, we have our smartphones, our mobile phones, and it's incredible. I can be in touch with, with probably 80% of the church you know, through this. We, we run a text list. Like, there's an efficiency in that. Thank you, God. There are those that have gone before us that have not had efficiencies like what we hold in our hand and put in our pocket. Uh, but at the same time, we are restricted as communicators through these things and through the web. Um, don't do pastoral care through your phone. Just don't do it. Don't try to resolve conflict through your phone. Don't do it unless you have absolutely no other options. Uh, as much as you can, get in a room with people, sit down with people, look them in the eye, listen to them. Our body language speaks volumes. Lean into that. Use it as a gift to you. Uh, so be angry and do not sin. Also, don't text, don't tweet, don't use Facebook, and don't email. I'm going to skip along a little bit more quickly here because of time. I've got a note in here that says, find your sailboat and sail it often. I was in my mid-30s until I realized what it took for me to really switch off and to switch off well. For me, it's a, it's a beat-up old sailboat, a 1979 McGregor 25. Um, I was out there this morning where we keep it docked, and every time I walk to the docks, I go, God, please let this boat be floating. It's nothing impressive, but I'll tell you, it is... Uh, it has served me, it has served our marriage, it has served our family, it has served our church incredibly well. Find out how you switch off. Find out what restores you in terms of physical activity and that sort of thing. Don't be like me. Don't wait until, I don't know how old you guys are, but I, again, I was in my mid-30s until I started to take that one seriously. I really wish I'd clocked this earlier because that's the, there, there's, there's, there's a Sabbath gift to us there from God. Resting well is worship, and um, it's important as church planters and those serving in churches that we know how to do that well. Really quickly, neglect your church and your marriage might suffer. Neglect your marriage and your church will suffer. Let's make sure we have our priorities right. I once heard somebody say that when we get to heaven, 
God is going to ask men, he's going to say, how did you love and serve your wife before he asks, how did you love and serve the church that you led? And, and, um, I'm not going to say that, 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 you know, that's a verse that we can land on in scripture, but I, I take the point. Um, let, let's, let's be careful there. We've all heard stories of, uh, of, of those who have um, perhaps prized ministry uh, over the prizing of a marriage or of a spouse in a, in a good way, the good prizing. Let's be very, very careful there. I, I don't say that flippantly. Maybe for some of you, even hearing that is a very raw thing to hear right now. Know that there's grace for you. Um, know that there is grace for you. And uh, if you feel that there are things to get in the right priority, there, talk to your spouse, talk to those that you are accountable to who are helping to, to care for you. Make sure you get the right order there. Um, or it, it could meet a very uh, tragic end. And we've all heard stories of that, whether it be uh, locally or in, in much bigger settings. Okay, skipping right to the very end here. What I've learned so far about the gospel I'm, I'm guessing I'm largely speaking to preachers here. Um, many church planters are, are carrying the majority of preaching in the local churches. So without doing a full sermon on this, just personally for me, I've learned that while some people uh, in our church will come and go, Jesus will never leave me. Again, I just come back to where I've started in, 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 uh, in talking about some of the challenges and the hardships. So often I feel uh, the Holy Spirit saying to me, um, am, am, am I enough for you? Am I enough? The one that I'm pointing you to, the Son, Jesus Christ, is, is he enough for you? And guys, I'll be honest with you, even in church planting, even in church planting, some of you, I believe, can probably relate to this. Even in church planting, there are times when I live my life as though Jesus isn't enough, that I need to get to the next attendance figure, that I need to get to the, the next type of... Um, kind of endorsement from somebody um, that I need to get through the next conflict and then that will be enough for the next battle that we're fighting in the church or whatever it may be. Is Jesus enough for you? Do you know that he, he will never leave you? He will never forsake you. Uh, respectfully to some in the church who've come and gone, we, my wife and I have felt very betrayed. Some of you know what I'm talking about there. You know what it is in leadership to be betrayed. Jesus is never going to betray you. He will never leave you. Uh, we must not only be proclaimers of the gospel from a platform. We need to be proclaiming the gospel from experience as well, knowing these truths deep down. I've learned that while some people in our church will come and go or betray me or turn their backs on me, Jesus never will. And I'll land uh, on this. I've learned that my sonship in God is not determined by my success or by my failure as a church planter. There are times when I have felt fearful. Oh, God, don't, don't let me become another church planting statistic. Don't let me be another one that is spoken about as, as, as one who went to plant a church with all the ideas and prayer and, and all these exciting things happening only to, to, to not make it. You know what? What if that happens? What does that change in the eternal sense? I'm still a son of God. I've still been fully redeemed by Christ and been fully justified by him. God's not giving up on his sanctification of me. None of that hinges on whether I am a successful church planter or church leader or whether I am an utter failure as a church planter. I don't want to fail at this. I want this church to do well. Of course I do. But praise God that, 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 that my sonship, my identity as a son of God, uh, is not hinged on that. So men, women who are listening to this know 
uh, that, that your success or failure in ministry, um, in parenting, <laughs> in marriage, doesn't change who you are in Christ. It doesn't change the finished work of Jesus Christ for you on the cross. If you're finding yourself forgetting that, you know what the best thing you can do in leadership is is soon. If you if 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 you're able to, if you're paid by the church, you just you just need to take some time off. You need to take a couple days off and just go drive somewhere, get somewhere quiet. And just feast on this. If you have a marketplace job right now, and that's a bit of a harder thing to do, still talk to your spouse, do whatever you need to do. Make the time and come back to this truth. You are a son or a daughter of the king. And uh, there's nothing that can happen in your ministry uh, that is going to change that. No amount of success or no amount of failure. So uh, I've gone 35 minutes. I, I will I will stop there. Um, but uh, friends, I really hope that serves you. And um yeah, very happy to um, to uh, expand on anything or answer any questions that maybe are, are there. Practically speaking, how do you create a culture? You talked about where risk taking is encouraged. How do you create that? Yeah, um, I mean, there's, there'd be so much to say on this. One, one is, um, I think you have to be okay with bumps. I think something, again, I'm in, I'm in a Western setting here. I'm in, I'm in Ottawa. One thing that I see quite regularly is churches that are running. And I suppose in many ways, I'm talking about uh, Sunday services here, but are running with big production standards and, and a big, big uh, kind of um, production Sunday. I'm not saying that's wrong. It's not where I'm going with this. Uh, what I'm certainly saying is that it's not me. It's not us. And one reason that is the case is because um, it's very hard to develop leaders in that sort of setting where, where the quality bar in terms of um, production, I don't just mean technical production there, okay? I mean, I mean presentation yeah. is so high. To, to, to give leaders space just to go for it and to, and, to, and to make mistakes, we have to be okay with there being a lot of bumps along the way. We just have to be. Um, and again, I just, I just take so much encouragement in how Jesus... Uh, developed those disciples i mean the, the the bumps have made it into the bible we read about them <laughs> right. i just think we have to be okay with bumps um the other thing is this and this is a real big thing for me um i have to be we have to be okay handing things on and handing things over um man i struggle with that <laughs> I'm really bad at that. I, I, oh no, I just know, I, I know if I hand this on, it's going to get bumpy. It might not be done the way, the way that I want. We just have to be okay with that. And to say to people, look, I trust you. I'm asking you to, to see that this task or this, this area of oversight or whatever it may be, I'm asking you to go and do it, but to do it in a way that is aligned with your strengths and your gifting and your ability. Um, and, and even if that means doing it in a way that is going to look different than how I would do it, you go and do it, and I'm going to be behind you. There are some tools that are helpful for this. I'm a big fan of strength finders. Some of you are cringing right now because of those sorts of leadership, you know, uh, kind of uh, assessment surveys and that sort of thing. I think part of helping to fan into flame the gift of God within people in our churches, I think we need to help them understand their own giftings. Um, and one thing I like about strength finders is that it puts it into a language that isn't just for a church setting. We find that many people we've taken through that are actually going, you know what, my, in Ottawa, my job with government, my job in the civil service, my job in the tech industry, I'm better at that because I've done this. And um, I love hearing that. And, and uh, 
yeah, I think I think I think making sure that people are in the right lane because they're going to be more likely to flourish there. And the final thing I would say is just having a culture where it's okay. You know, I, I guess I've sort of said this, but where it's okay to make mistakes, yeah. um, where you know, where where we applaud people, we need to be wise in how we do this. Um, but where we applaud people for taking shots, even when it doesn't go exactly as we had thought. Um, our leadership team last last year, we we decided we want to get to sixteen life groups. I wrote a letter to the church, guys. This is exciting. Sixteen life groups. We only had eight last year. We want to go to sixteen. Um, and I really applauded the leadership team. We didn't get there in September. We have twelve right now, and a couple of them are. are I mean, it's 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 tricky going. But still, I'm saying to the church, guys, look, we went for sixteen. We didn't get there, but we're going to. And look at the faith these guys had. So let's keep going for it, even if it doesn't always happen um, in in our timing. Those would be a few things I would. Leadership development is like it's what it's one of the things that fuels me. I, I love it. I just love it. So I could do a hundred of these sessions on that, um, and I, I'd have a great time. I don't know whether you would, but I'd I'd I'd, I'd be having a great time. So. It's brilliant. No, brilliant. I love uh, the fact. I love that quote. The bumps have made it into the Bible. We've got to be okay with the bumps. It's really brilliant. Um, okay, so you talked about um, the the people that become pillars and the people that are scaffolding. Are there any differences in how you build with the people if you perceive their scaffolding than with the people you know could be pillars? How do you approach them differently? What does that look like? I think it's I think it's why why do you feel they may be scaffolding? Why I, I mean, if if I could, in this sense, why, why do you feel they may only be with you temporarily? If there are strong, uh, uh, you know, uh, theological differences, um, just be careful. It doesn't mean you can't build with them, but there's a wisdom in how they are serving. Um, if they, for example, are strongly disagreed with you on the model of government that you are wanting to establish or already have established, it's probably not helpful having them in a setting where they are counseling people who have questions about that very thing. Now, I appreciate some people, we have a situation where we have people who disagree with us on that, but we also know they're really for us. And if they were asked questions on that topic, they would say, look, we want to be honest. We actually aren't fully aligned with the leadership of the church on this, but we trust them and we're with them. In that case, we've said we, we have no issue with these people being life group leaders and they are nailing it. Um, but if there was somebody who we thought would say, no, actually, we're disagreed with the leadership on this, and it's really annoying us, and we don't know whether we can trust them. If we felt that was going on in their heart, putting them into a care role of others, I would just struggle with that because I would just think that's going to cause confusion. Um, so I do think you can build with people that you, that you think they're probably only going to be with us temporarily. Sometimes people are with you temporarily for very valid reasons, short-term work contracts, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, family dynamics that maybe are requiring a move. You know, there can be things that are completely understandable. But if they're, if the reasons you think they might only be with you temporarily are causing you pastoral concern, then then just 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 move. You know, just move carefully. Don't don't rush. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Um, you obviously mentioned right at the beginning you you went with your wife Natalia and. Um, 
So you've obviously started with a small core. How, um, the question is about building the team at the beginning when the church is small, and then uh, a comment on really how the team dynamics have changed as you've then, because uh, obviously right at the beginning of the church, everyone's brought in, everyone has your attention, it's very relational. And then mm. obviously I imagine you and Natalia are really close in that. And then just comment on the change and what that's looked like over then the last two years. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good. It's a very good question, and one that we're one that's very live for us right now. So we we are, um, yeah. I mean, we're we're on paper, you know, uh, in the church there'd be 150, maybe 170 Sundays are around 100. I mean, we're we're just we're just getting we're just getting going, um, but uh, we still find that many roads lead to us, um, and we're and we're just trying to help the church understand that because Natalia and I love them one of the best ways we can express that and care for them is raising and establishing other leaders around us because we, we we're, we're just limited. We have two young children, a third one on the way. Like I, you know, I, I, you know, people, people always ask, you know, and do you feel like you're keeping your head above water? No. And I don't think I'm going to feel that for probably 18 years. Like I, I'm, I'm just getting comfortable in that, in that place. And, um, I, you know, I'm not Superman, you know, my wife is an incredible woman, but she's, you know, she, she's, she's, we have limited capacity. She has, she has a greater capacity than I do, but still is limited. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's a really live issue for us. And we're, we're, we're wanting to help people understand that the way that we care for them and, and um, still show them that we love them is by raising other leaders around us. I think we really look to our, we call them life groups. Some of you call them small groups, cell groups, whatever it is. We really look to that structure uh, to really ensure that we don't lose the smaller setting relational as we grow bigger. Um, again, preaching to the choir on this, I'm sure, but I really think that that is key because I've been surprised how quickly we can lose this, how, how quickly even on Sundays in our, in our, you know, in our, 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 our bigger Sunday gatherings, um, how even I can default to going and speaking to the people that I know best in the room. And man, if I'm doing that, others are watching me. The rest of the church is going to do it. So we need these smaller life group settings in our case to ensure that even as we grow bigger, because we do believe that God has called us to grow. I'm not saying mega church or anything like that. I, I don't. I don't care. That's that's up to God. It might be bigger in a number of smaller settings. I don't know, but I do know there are more people that God has for us, yeah. and we need to retain the smaller setting relational because. Uh, because, guys, let me say this. One thing I've really learned about our city, and I think this applies to probably all of our, all of our context to some degree, at least in the West, I'm, I am becoming utterly convinced that people are not as much looking for Sunday experiences as they once were. I am, I am amazed at the number of people that are coming into our church who are, who are simply lonely. And I think the Sunday experience model, I know I'm pushing this a little bit, I think it can be attractive for a time, but when hardship hits in life, it's not enough. And people in our city who don't know Jesus, they're very quick to lay it down when they, when they really hit a trial in their life. The, 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 the lights, the smoke, the bigness, the big, big band, they just don't care. Because on Monday morning when they're grieving the loss of a job or a spouse who said, I'm leaving or the breakup or whatever it is, that stuff just does not matter. And, 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 it's, it's a depth of relationship. It's being vulnerable with people, knowing that they're not alone. That's what they're desperate for. 
And the great thing as a church planter is that that stuff doesn't cost anything. All you need is people <laughs> and, 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 and people that are, are grounded in the gospel and have experienced that from Christ himself. They can provide that to a city that's desperately seeking it. Um, so again, I, I'm, I'm banging this point. Life groups are just so key to that or those smaller settings. I miss the living room days. Some of you guys that have, that have grown out of the living room, I know some of you, you miss the living room days. But you don't have to miss them as something that is completely gone. You can still have it. Try to still have it because I think those settings are very key to the health of your church. Brilliant. Really brilliant. Excellent answer. Thanks for that. Um, okay. Now, let's ask a question about that. Because you, you talked about social media. And um, I appreciate the fact you're doing don't do conflict resolution and all that. Yep, I'm with you. This is the question then. You, you mentioned taking care with what we use social media for, etc. What would be some tips for church leaders on what sort of stuff is helpful to put on personal Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Interesting one. Uh, yeah, so this is just how we've done it. This isn't, you got to know yourself and know where your weaknesses are and, and, and where you could get tripped up. But um, so my, my background is in communications. I, I, I've, I've done two media studies degrees. I can tell you about all the hidden things in every Disney movie that is out there. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I have a lot of experience in digital communication. What I have realized though, when it comes to social media is that uh, I feel for us here in this city that we use it best when we use it as, as a, uh, as a window for our city. It's a, it's, it's a first glimpse for our city uh, into the church. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, I don't have a stat on this, but I know it from conversation. The majority of people that visit us on a Sunday or visit us to do a life group have been on the website or our Instagram or our Facebook page before. That's just, that's just how it happens these days. Um, SEO matters. It's not the gospel. It's not the biggest thing, but we, we should be sharp on that stuff. And, and um, I don't mean every one of us watching this has to be sharp, but in our churches, we need to recognize how people are finding us. So we have used our social media exclusively uh, for um, people looking into the church. I, I, we, have, we have an incredible young woman who's really sharp on this and runs a lot of it for us. And, and um, she's fully on board with what we've been saying on it. But we say we, we do not use any church lingo. We do not communicate anything that is like Christianese or, you know, just for exclusively for the church family. Um, the closest we have come has been for a church-wide prayer evening that we've had. And we felt comfortable doing that because even that prayer evening, we opened up to people in the city. We said, anybody's welcome to come to this. So I don't mind putting that on social media. Um, but if there are things, uh, that are only for the church family and we don't want others to be coming, you know, a, a, a special church family meeting or something like that for us, we wouldn't use social media. What we would use is our text list. Um, uh, so let me, let me be a nerd here for a minute. Um, you know, texting in terms of, you know, things come to your phone. It has the highest, um, kind of, uh, message penetration rates. People really, uh, take on board what they read in a text message much more than they do with our inbox or social media. So we have really leaned into our text list as our primary church-wide communication tool. And that has worked for us really well. And it's been really cost-effective. It costs us 0.7 cents uh, per text. 
So uh, I think today that's probably 15, you know, 15 American dollars, Canadian dollars to American, but it's pretty cheap is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's really helpful. And, and you're saying texting, you're saying proper messaging as opposed to WhatsApp. Uh, well, you could use, you could use WhatsApp. Well, seriously, WhatsApp broadcast groups are pretty good. Um, because, uh, you know, if somebody, if somebody says, I disagree with all of this, they're not saying it to 50 people, <laughs> you know, they can, they can just say it back to the person who has the broadcast group. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think WhatsApp broadcast groups are excellent. Um, and they're free, I think yeah. for now. Yeah, no, absolutely. With the, uh, the old wifi, I think we have 20 million of those in our church. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the other thing is just being, being careful with teams. We have found internally with our teams, we use uh, Slack for team collaboration. Um, and uh, one reason why is we have a lot of people working in the city that have Slack for their work anyway. So they already have it open um, on, on their desktop at their office. Um, so having a, a church side of Slack is not that much of an inconvenience at all because they're already on Slack through the day. Um, I'll have to look that one up. Um, okay, let, let's uh, go back to these questions here. We've got, uh, I've got another one in, and um, which is about, um, you spoke about others speaking into your church plant vision. This was right at the very beginning of this talk, wasn't it? I think I made a note of that. And um, what's the best piece of advice, that's a great question, that you were given before you started the church where you are now? Oh, man. Um... <laughs> I remember asking somebody this about five years ago and he looked across the dining room table to me and he said, don't do it. (laughs) Now that's not going to be my answer. Um, But there've been times when I felt like that, that is not my answer. Um, It's a huge question. I I guess I've hit on this a little bit. I guess I would say what, 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 what would be the worst thing that could happen and how would you respond? Like play it out in your mind. I don't. I don't mean be controlled by fear or by anxiety. That's not what I'm talking about. But if if the church plant failed, if you went and and you you went with four people on your team and they all left and started other churches down the road, yeah, and then started a blog post calling you out on a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't true and horrible stuff. If the worst thing happened, would Jesus be enough for you in that? And if if you come to that before you plant going, no, I don't think you would be. Um, I'm not saying that means you're not a church planter. It's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, but what I would say is you, you need to walk that out. Bring, bring these things to God. Say, God, help, help me be firmly rooted in you. Now, there's a degree to which we're not going to be able to play through everything, of course. Um, it, this is a posture of the heart. Um, but I, um, let me say it like this. I did not realize how um, emotionally immature I was before I church planted. Um, and I wish I had. Um, so I'm, I'm catching up there. And uh, my wife is being incredibly patient with me. To be honest with you, our church is being incredibly patient with me. I've, I've said this to the church. You know, guys, thank you. Thank you for having grace for me. We call it Grace City Church. I've done that to try to be clever because I want our church to have grace for me too, right? Um, so I, 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 uh, I, I guess... Wrapped up in all of this, I would say know, know your level of emotional health, your, your emotional ma- maturity or immaturity. Some of you have come across um, the uh, Peter, I can never say his surname correctly, it's Peter Cesario, I think, out of New York. Um, the emotionally healthy church, the emotionally healthy leader, and emotionally healthy spirituality. 
Um, I don't think I've got the order right in which the books have come out, but there's, there's great stuff there. Um, I, I'd recommend it. There'd be a few things in a couple of the books that I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally, uh, you know, kind of, kind of align with, but I, st there's, there's still books that I would highly recommend, um, particularly for those in leadership. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, uh, so we're on to our final question, which is this. Oh gosh, to limit it to one will be a really interesting one. But okay, let's go for a top couple of things. What have you enjoyed most about the journey so far over the last couple of years? Um, what have I enjoyed the most? Can I, I lived in the UK for 10 years, so I'm allowed to use the word cheeky, even though I'm in Canada still. I'm going to be cheeky and answer it answer it on a family front and on a church front. Family-wise, one thing I love seeing um, is our children growing up, seeing a church being born. Um, I often say to the church, uh, many people have the privilege of being part of a local church. Few people have the privilege of helping to start one. And um, I carry all of the concerns with my kids about not wanting them to grow up, hating the church and seeing the hardships of leadership and then turning their back on, on Jesus and on his bride. I, I, I know some of you watching this can relate to that. You don't want that for your kids as well. I, I really agree. But the, the beautiful side of this is that um, for Natalia and I, and, and for many watching, I, I, I'm sure our children have a front row seat to, to, to seeing a church being born. And um, when you're involved in church planting, uh, you know, sometimes you're talking to people in your city. Oh, why did you move? I move. I, I've, I've come here to start a church, and they kind of look at you like you, you've come to sell steam engines. You know, it's like didn't that technology die like quite a few years ago? Haven't we moved beyond that? And uh, but no, we've not. Jesus said he would build his church, and uh, he is building his church. Despite all of the ways that I get it wrong, that our church get it wrong, that you guys get it wrong, he is building his church, and our children are watching that and I just think they have a front row seat to seeing God just do something that just defies the odds. And, and I, I love that on the church. side. I guess I, that's part of the church side as well, but that's particularly relevant to our kids on the church side. Um, other, other than baptisms, which are just wonderful. Um, of course I love, we've, we've had uh, church plants tend to gather a lot of people, many of the Christians that they gather, and I know we all want to reach the lost as well, of course, but we also gather Christians, don't we? But many of the Christians that we gather are coming from very broken church backgrounds. Church plants just gather those types of folks. People often are looking for churches for a reason, not always because they've just moved to town, sometimes because they've really been hurt. And one thing I have loved seeing is people just um, coming to a place where they're in awe at the grace of God um, on their lives, on the broken situations that they're walking, even on those that have hurt them before, you know, and, and just, just kind of laying down judgment, laying down hatred. Um, and, and you, you sometimes, like, I'm not exaggerating. Some of you have stories. Sometimes you can, you can like see it with your eyes. You can see the stuff dropping off of them, you know, and, and they just, they, they, they walk out of the room literally looking lighter than they walked in because the Holy Spirit has just broken in and has done something. I know that's not the end of it. I know that's not sanctification complete, you know, of course not, but I love seeing that. And, um, and, and, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 Sometimes I just have to go back and, and, and uh, 
I keep in my Evernote, I keep a file of encouragements. I keep a file of, I'd love to tell you there are five a day. There are not, I assure you. But I keep a file of, of the notes, whether it's a text or an email or a, a baptism testimony we have on video of people telling stories like that because it, it just fuels me and it brings me back to why we've sacrificed a lot to do this, why, why we've done this um, in the first place. It's beautiful. And, and how many... You know, how many, how many people are able to speak about things like that? These are eternal things, right? And, and this is what God has graced us with the opportunity of being a part of. It's just amazing. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Rich said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 121. See you next time.